Tonight's gospel comes from Matthew chapter 6, selected verses. From this excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount come the three classic disciplines or practices of Lent, giving alms, specifically giving money to benefit the poor, praying, and fasting. These behaviors are signs that what we most treasure is God rather than the stuff of ourselves. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So that was the very middle of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. It's chapters 5, 6, and 7. 111 verses of Jesus' teachings that are timeless and they're timely, they're comforting and they're challenging. They teach us who to walk life through with each other and they also teach us how to do it because it's not impossible nor is it easy. There's something to learn from the Sermon on the Mount. So, in the first 11 years of our relationship, Barb and I moved nine times. Back in those days, we traveled light. It's a good way to travel. We've now been living here 22 years. We're not traveling light anymore, people. We've got three generations of stuff in our house right now. We've got our parents' stuff in our house. We've got our kids' stuff in our house. They're traveling light right now, but we aren't. And, of course, we've got our own stuff in our house. This gets us to a proper use of winter. What else is there to do but attack that stuff? And so we've been attacking all that stuff in our house. And last week, for whatever reason... This is what I took on. Do any of you have a pile of socks in your house that have no mate mate, and it's just sitting there? So last week, for whatever reason, God just moved me, people. I dumped out Barb's sock drawer, dresser, drawer, or whatever it is, dumped out my own, spread out all these socks on the floor, 
made all of the matches and then still had the pile of all the ones that didn't have matches. How many unmatched socks do you think I had sitting there on my bed? I'll take guesses. What do you think? 24. A lot of possibilities. The correct answer in our case was 26. Which is almost as many as we have pairs of socks, but you know how this goes. You, you collect one and then you literally hold on to it ever, forever because you're convinced at some point the mate is going to show up. Well, 26 mates never showed up at our house. So, this at some level, right, is not a bad symbol for many people's spiritual lives, hey? In other words, something seems to be missing. You keep coming to church, you say your prayers, maybe you read the Bible every once in a while, but it's like something isn't there. And that's different for everybody. Some people have questions. Some people have had hurtful experiences. Some people feel somehow distanced from God. Some people feel alienated from the faith community. Some don't like where their church has moved. Some people... Uh, some people wish their church had moved more. Uh, you know, all of these things uh, float up before us. And, and at some level, this kind of becomes uh, not a bad symbol for where I think most of us get to at some point in our faith life. Something seems to be missing, and you, you think it's going to still be there at some point. And let's say that day is today, and you came to church maybe because it's you know one of the high holy days and so you kind of came by habit and you came up for the ashes just now because everybody else was doing it and you were in Pastor Sherry's line uh, because you figure man she gives better bread at communion she'll probably do a better job of that and really the, the cross is on this side of the sanctuary they look a lot better Sherry much better shape over on the side um, and, but the thing is you, you did go in Pastor Sherry's line and, and she, she does do it a little differently so when she put it on your forehead, you kind of could feel it grind in a little bit because there's some grit in those ashes. And, and, and maybe she even spilled a little bit down on your blouse or your shirt. And then as you were walking back, maybe you touched it and, and you noticed that it's, it's, it's kind of greasy up there. And for whatever reason, you did all that stuff. And, and for the first time in a while, actually the symbol of your mortality it actually made you feel alive again. Alive again in the life of faith. Because what the heck? It, it maybe for a moment occurred to you that it isn't about the questions or the answers, but it is who you walk the journey with, and it's knowing how to take the journey along the way. Which gets us back to the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount starts in an interesting way. In Matthew, there are these nine Beatitudes, blessings Jesus speaks on people who are particularly faithful. Blessed are they who are merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He does that nine times. And you'll notice that he says, blessed are they. Because I think the first reaction, if you just sat down and started reading those nine Beatitudes, would be, this isn't me. I'm not pure in heart. I'm, I'm not a peacemaker. Um, I don't seem like I hunger and thirst for righteousness. I, I fall short of all of those things. I, I feel like there's something missing. But, but then, fortunately, you, 
you recognize or you hear that Jesus was talking to his disciples just as they were beginning, and he was talking to all these crowds who had gathered around him just at the start of his ministry. And what he was saying is, blessed are they, that there are some people out there who are pure in heart, people who are the peacemakers, people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And you know what? You aren't them yet. Not one of you is them yet. How could you be? You haven't walked together long enough. You haven't had anybody to teach you the way. And it's a tough road to follow. But that's why you're here. That's what I'm going to teach you. That's what a lifetime of learning is about. Blessed are they. It's awesome that there are some people out there who are amazing faith witnesses. But you, it's not a bad thing to be learning. It's not a bad thing to be incomplete. It's not a bad thing to have some questions. It's maybe not even a bad thing to think that something is missing. Blessed are they, but blessed are you for being here. Blessed are you for trying. Blessed are you for praying for a spirit to learn to live and to stay connected rather than alone as you go on the journey. We have multiple dental families in this, in this congregation. How many, how many teeth does the average adult have in their mouth? Uh, 32, and then if you have the wisdom teeth out, you're down to 28. Um, so there's something called the DMF, and it's, it's a measure of overall dental health. And so uh, that's, um, uh, 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 oh, shoot, now I'm forgetting what the DMF actually is, but it's like, or maybe it's, a, it's extractions, um, something and filling, so uh, a measure of things that have been lost in your mouth or repaired in your mouth. And uh, the average American adult from age 18 through the end of life across the country, the average measure on whatever that scale is, is 1.1 to 2.6. In other words, the average adult around the country has had uh, uh, 1.1 to 2.6 teeth lost or um, extracted or filled in some uh, so this year, if you choose to give to the uh, Lenten Appeal, it goes to the Bread of Healing Clinic in Milwaukee. And they do a lot of things, but nothing for whatever reason seems harder to access in our, our country uh, than dental care, especially if you're poor. And what, what do you think the average uh, measure is for a patient who comes to the Bread of Healing Clinic? So if the average is 1.1 to 2.6, what do you think the average is for patients at the clinic? Got a guess of five. Uh, here, we'll go to one of, their, one of their things. So I'll just read what it says. This is a relatively healthy mouth, teeth intact, some cavity, some filling, some gum disease. This is the best we see. If you don't like x-rays, you, don't, you, know, you can just look away. Uh, here's an unhealthy mouth. Most of the mouths we see look like this. Remember, a healthy mouth, an unhealthy mouth. Remember, a healthy mouth, an unhealthy mouth. So patients at the clinic, a healthy mouth is just one, the, the pictures of the healthy mouth was just one patient. Uh, they have less than 10 patients, at least at the time this slide was made, that fit that category. The pictures of the unhealthy mouths belong to four different patients, and the majority of mouths that come to that clinic look like that. We expected that we would see mouths with much work to do. We did not expect to see only mouths with that much work to do. The amount of work is overwhelming. And uh, unfortunately, in this country, um, you know, that's true in a lot of places. Uh, now, my wife uh, works at the Bread of Healing Clinic, so I'm totally biased. Uh, 
also means I'm, I'm just deeply committed to what they do. But it doesn't mean you need to be deeply committed to what they do. Um, but I think it's important to know that, that they serve people who still in our country, for various reasons, do not have health insurance or, or for whom it's too expensive. And so they would typically see people who earn 100 to 250 percent of the poverty level in this country. So that would be individuals learn, earning from about $11,000 a year to about $26,000 a year. So that's the typical patient there. And the typical patient there may have a variety of needs, but dental uh, seems nearly always to be one of those needs. So in tonight's gospel lesson, Jesus is halfway into teaching these disciples who desperately want to know the way and how to, how to live it wisely and well. He's trying to teach them how to be. And it's challenging, challenging stuff, like turn the other cheek. You, you won't change anything in this world by returning evil with evil. It's got to be good returned for evil. It is difficult, challenging stuff. But he knows it's even harder because, the, because people always have role models and examples. And he was very aware in his world that some of the people who others looked up to as, as, as examples of religiosity and faithfulness were actually getting it wrong. And so that's what tonight's gospel lesson was about, was that there are plenty of people who are seemingly right on the path and super religious and they say the name of God a lot and, and, and they, they give generously, and they pray a lot. But it's all about them. You know, they're just spiritual show-offs at some level. And so that's why Jesus kind of exaggerates it. But he's legitimately saying, man, if you're going to give something, don't draw attention to it, just do it. If you're going to pray, don't draw attention to it, just do it. If you're going to fast, don't draw attention to it, just do it. So why do we have the crosses on our forehead? <laughs> seems to be drawing attention to ourselves. But remember, we do it one day a year, not every day of the year. And of course, the whole thing he was driving to is, is where's your treasure? I mean, because if you're your own treasure, if you're the, the, the thing that all the attention in your life is pointed to, then, then you're off course. But if your treasure is to be connected to your God and somehow connected to the people around you, then, then you're going to be rich at some point. And it's going to take you a while to figure it out, and you'll make a lot of mistakes along the way, which is why grace is an awesome thing. But you'll get there. You'll get closer if you're not trying to do it alone. There's one other thing about that Sermon on the Mount. Right after he finishes the Beatitudes, Jesus says this line, that, that I think you'll recognize. Tell me what part of our service this comes from. He says, let your light so shine before others that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What, what part of one of our services does that belong to? That's to baptism. That's what we say when we present the baptismal candle, which most of the time is lit when it actually gets uh, to the parents and sponsors. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, he's getting at something really subtle. If, if we do good works, but the glory shines on us, it's fine. But, but we haven't really accomplished anything spiritually meaningful. 
nor have we really benefited our brothers or sisters the way we might have. But, but when we do something good and meaningful and important, and when it, when it allows us to come alive again, and when it perhaps allows someone else to come back from the brink of something, then, then that light shines outward. It's not directed at us. And other people can see it, and other people can hold on to it, and other people can be inspired by it, and other people can be led by it. And they give glory to our Father who is in heaven. It's, it's almost as if you've been holding this thing all along, and then, whoa! Maybe there was a partner there after all. Maybe there's more connection than I thought there was. Maybe it makes more sense when you're actually just doing it rather than thinking about it. So that's a picture from 2013. Uh, We have permission to use the picture. She's the first person who ever got tooth fairy money at the Bread of Healing Clinic. So that's a pool of fun. That's where this year's Lenten offering would go. Um, and, And so her particular situation is she was coming into the clinic anyway for medical reasons, but the medical staff noticed that she always mumbled when she spoke. And so finally they made her a dental appointment, and when she took her dentures out, they had both broken in half. So she was holding these four dentures in her mouth constantly, but but she didn't want to go out in public without any teeth. And so the first thing the dentist did was glue the dentures back together so that there were only two instead of four. And then she started saving money, and she saved $234, and the uh, Tooth Fairy Fund gave her $234, and she ended up... Uh, with new dentures. And so uh, the cool thing about this picture is she's smiling and you can see her teeth, but what I love about the picture is what can't you see? If you're close enough, you can't see her eyes. Uh, She is such an amazingly happy camper. Uh, When somebody really, really smiles, you can't see their eyes. That's just one way you could choose to share this Lent but there are a hundred others. It's, I'm, I'm realistic enough to realize you're not going to read the, the Sermon on the Mount every day this Lent. But you've got six Wednesdays. You could read it every Wednesday. You'd learn a lot. I learn a lot. We all learn a lot. Because there are just so many ways to grow. There are so many ways to share. So many ways to give. So many ways to recognize that maybe you didn't lose anything at all. It's been there all along. When you get to the end of the day tonight, look in the mirror. Look at that cross on your forehead. It is your mortality. But it is also a God who loves you to the depth of the divine being. And so much wants you to let your light shine before others. And then wipe that cross off and smile at your 1.1 to 2.6 smile, whatever it might be, on the scale. And then when you get up tomorrow, you have only one thing you really need to remember, right? Shine.